Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the fifth Sunday in Lent for the week of March 21st, 2021. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast. And boy, has Lent kind of been moving by pretty quickly. It's amazing to think about here we are at the fifth Sunday in Lent, next week being Palm Passion Sunday. We'll deal with that a little bit more next week, and then we dig into Easter. So we are over halfway through this season of Lent. We're definitely now on the backside of it, and it's been kind of amazing when you think about it, this process of preparing ourselves, this process of hearing this, and especially when we get to the gospel text this week, coming out of John's gospel, this last time that Jesus is really making a public kind of sermon announcement foretelling his death here this week. But it offers up a lot of time for reflection, and I kind of left you with that last week. And the Twitter question was, who are you going to connect with that you haven't connected with in a long time? And I got some responses of different people connecting with different longtime friends. But I think one of the ones that I'm most excited about, where I've been, we haven't been able to have live worship in a long time. And the church that I'm a part of is starting to try that a little bit here this upcoming Sunday, this Sunday. And so I think there is something within all of us that we're longing for that spirit to be able to connect with one another again, being able to stir and be among us. And even just the act of worship is something that I feel like in a lot of us wanting to have our spirits connect and something like that. And I'm really curious as we continue to move forward in this and taking our forward steps in this and seeing where everything goes with this, what happens as the spirit stirs within us, both young and old, what does the spirit steer us into? What is this new church that God is steering us into? And I think that's what's exciting and intriguing to me is where now is God going to be leading us? And it might be still a step forward, a couple steps back, a couple steps forward, a step back, as we're trying to figure this out, not only just with figuring out what the church will be, but getting back together again. And I'm excited about that possibility. I'm excited about the Spirit being able to stir. And I'm excited about digging into these texts. So let's jump right into it. The first reading this week is out of Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. This is a promise that we get from Jeremiah here, and this is right before the city is about to crumble. It's this promise that eventually that there won't be a need for teachers anymore, that the Spirit of God and knowing the Lord will just be embedded inside of people. And that, to me, is an intriguing thought. I think there's a lot of different things where you could play off of that. I think for me, one of the things I think about in a way that's kind of half true already, where we are already have the Spirit of God being given to us through baptism and different things, but I think you could also argue that the Spirit of God is given to us because of what Christ did to us. So I think it's kind of this interesting play, but verse 34, No longer shall you teach one another or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. And I will forgive them their iniquity and remember their sin no more. So this idea of this great connection that immediately God has with us, and I think that's a very intriguing thought, and I'm really excited about what that could be and what's that all meaning for us moving forward. The psalm this week is Psalm 51, verses 1 to 12. 
This is a psalm we typically have with Ash Wednesday, and it's this very deep, reflective psalm. I'll think of it in a lot of ways. This understanding the steadfast love of God and the abundant mercy that comes from that, coming out of verse 1, but also recognizing how often the sinner part of ourselves separates us from that and how we essentially in ways put God to the test because of that. And the person, the psalmist, calling out to God just to help cure me of this, help continue to retransform me. We get the verse that we've probably heard it before, verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. This idea of how we're messed up, we make mistakes, we really strain the relationship that we have with God in a lot of ways, but yet we still have this desire to continue to reach out to God and continue to work on this relationship to make it better. And I think that's a key point. The second reading is from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 to 10. This is a little bit of a confusing text based on that we kind of are, again, dropping in. We're talking a little bit about the high priest, Mizeldek. And in that, I think there's a kind of some selective things that kind of tie in with the gospel reading we'll get to here in a moment. But verse 5 here, So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was anointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. So this idea, and we get in the continuation of how the death wasn't to inflate the ego of Christ in a lot of ways. It was really to help us in this continuing suffering on our behalf to bring eternal salvation, not for just Jesus, but for all of us. And I think that's this love of Christ that being able to penetrate through us is really important. And I think this is also going to play a key role in what we're talking about this week. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 12, verses 20 to 33. This is a text that we get. This is the last kind of public appearance of Jesus before we start getting into the passion. And Jesus is, again, kind of foretelling his death. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So this, again, this hour, this thing of Jesus kind of foretelling this, but I think a key part of this actually comes right from verse 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks, and then the Greeks are talking to Philip and Andrew, and this is where Jesus kind of gets into this, talking about and kind of, again, foretelling his death And that there's a reason why Jesus has to die. And even though it's hard for us, the disciples, to understand at this moment, that it will make more sense in the long run than what we are seeing right now. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together, we have to do our shameless plug. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not a dream minister, I love using these great resources from Working Preacher on a weekly basis. And it really helps give me some direction, some different ideas to be able to think about and go through these readings. So if you're part of clergy 
or lay. I think it's a really great resource to really spend some time in and make sure you're digging into workingpreacher.org. One of the verses that kind of stuck out, and especially when I'm doing this Faith and Science podcast, is verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This is fairly simple and basic in a lot of biological means. The seed around for a plant, a lot of it is there for nutrition. It is there for the plant to essentially destroy, for the plant to be able to grow. And it's one of the things that it's also kind of interesting, especially as Jesus is foretelling his death. And I've talked and told this story before. The one thing that we cannot still explain, one of the things in science, and I don't know if we ever will in this lifetime, is the spark of life, especially with a seed. How does a seed know you can have all the right conditions, the right soil, it has the seed around it to be able to, the water, but how does it know that now is the time to germinate or begin to grow compared to the previous moment? And I think in a lot of ways, there's a lot of trust and a lot of faith that goes into that. But it's also kind of this understanding that death brings forth life because the seed, yes, it's bringing forth new life, which can then bring forth many seed pods for potential growth. But it also means the death of the original seed that gets absorbed up into this new plant. And I think there's something to that when we think about it even in our faith life or even within science. The hard thing within science is science is never complete. There really is no complete resolution as we've talked about multiple times that any good science experiment should lead to five additional questions to ask. And so good science in a lot of ways is continuing to build upon what has been done. But what also is really unique, especially within this text here in the gospel, is that Jesus is stating what you know now, there are flaws. And so I'm going to essentially make this new hypothesis, this new experiment, this new way of doing things, and I'm going to set this out as the different standard for something for you guys to ponder and to think about. And in a lot of ways, that's hard to think about. And we've talked about this before. I mean, it was Stimuwise, who was one of the first advocates for washing his hands before going into surgery, which is commonplace now. But at that point, it was very unmanly. It was very like, why are you doing this? Even though it was helping with the reduction of death rate, that it was still stigmatized. And if you think about it, what Jesus has been saying is very stigmatized. Here, Jeremiah is giving this message that's very reassuring to us now, but he's giving this to the people of Judah and their city is surrounded and there's questions on how much longer are they going to be able to hold the enemy out. And this is the message that they give to them that at some point, God is going to have this covenant that the word of the Lord, no matter if the paper and all this is destroyed, it's just going to be embedded within our hearts and that we're just going to know God and that this relationship that we have with God will not just vanish away. The psalm recognizing this, that the steadfast love of God within us is continuing and working constantly for this. But what makes the Hebrews text 
interesting is the idea that in doing something that's so radically different than from what has been done, like we've talked about before, Stimuwise, and I'll attach some links down to him below, it means going out on a limb and doing something totally different, realizing you might be mocked, realizing you might be put down, realizing that in a lot of ways you might be rejected for what you're doing. But it was for the benefit of the earth on the flip side. It was benefit for us to begin to understand germ theory, which has drastically changed how we look at the world around us. And especially when we look at the last year of what we've gone through, and especially that I talked about this about a year ago initially, where would we be without understanding basic germ theory? Sometimes you have to make these radical statements. And put yourself out there based off of that the results of what you've tested in science show something. And you're wanting someone else to essentially run it and see. And you sometimes get this group of people who are just seen as crazy. But the science is continuing to back it up. And they're hoping for someone to poke a hole in it. But sometimes that doesn't happen. It's one of the difficult things within science. We really like it when we recognize and understand and can appreciate what the technological gains are. Like when we buy some piece of tech, be it a pocket computer like a phone to a laptop to a computer, the idea or even a TV, you can see the growth and understand to some extent where it's going. But sometimes when we have these radical ideas that are harder to grasp, such as climate change, and wrapping our heads around the idea that it's going to affect some areas differently than other areas. And in the world's climate warming, some areas might cool. Is sometimes hard for our brains to wrap our heads around. The idea of all these different threatening things that we potentially hear from science, especially with something like climate change on how our world would be drastically different and trying to use it as a warning sometimes falls upon deaf ears, sometimes falls upon, but that's such a drastic change. Why are you talking like that? But especially of people of faith, when we look at Jesus and how often he foretold his own death, and it seemed radical and life-changing and just seemed weird. And especially this week, as we get this kind of final announcement which leads into kind of the farewell discord of what Jesus has in the gospel of John. Sometimes when we're looking at life, we don't understand what God is doing until it's in the rear view mirror. We on this side of the cross can, can understand completely and say, yeah, I'd be with Jesus. But would you? Yeah, I would be with Semuwise when he starts stating washing our hands and seeing the results that there's less deaths. Would you though? There was no germ theory. That seemed just weird and crazy. I think one of our modern comparisons is climate change, clean water initiatives around the world, and the lack thereof of clean water in plenty of places around the world. You have to remember when a lot of these scientists, it's not that they're taking pride in being able to put forth a tough message. It's that they're trying to build upon what has been done before and trying to issue forecasts and trying to issue what we're understanding as of this moment. 
We've talked about keystone species before and understanding how important they are to environments. And so as we are trying to do these different things to help ecosystems, it might mean that our understanding of what the world was needs to change. I'll give another example. One of the things that is being looked at and discussed is the prairies of the United States. The prairies used to have bison roaming the plains to the point of thunder, sounding and feeling of the earth shaking under the feet as a herd was running across the plains. Now, they're not nearly as plentiful, over 90% being in the Yellowstone area of wild bison. And why is that? Because bison are big, they're strong, they like space. They don't necessarily fit well within our understandings of homesteads. They can cause havoc. Heck, when you look at how the industrialization of America happened, there was trains that essentially just opened it up for people to shoot bison. Why? Because they were disruption and would cause trains to not be on schedule. And there's whole stories on that's how Goodyear kind of got its start, would round up cowboys to move bison over train tracks to show that trains weren't as reliable and thus you should go with trucks, thus you should go with Goodyear tires. But what has been the cost of that? Did we really spend the time to understand that ecosystem? And in that, did we end up hampering ourselves from really having something of great value. We learn later how amazingly valuable the plains have been for specifically growing crops. As we look at the Corn Belt, as we look at how many different places, Nebraska, the Dakotas, have been absolutely fantastic for farming. Kansas, Iowa, we were short-sighted. We didn't understand the purpose of what they were there for. And now we're looking at and trying to figure out different ways on which we could possibly do this now. Can we do it with cattle? Can we do that and still have the same impact? There's been studies now looking at how potentially mammoths helped with building uh, in the Arctic Circle these strong, the permafrost within the Arctics. And now as the climate is warming and that now we're having permafrost thawing out for the first time and understanding that now that releases gases that had been trapped, is there ways that we can help bring that back? And understanding that if mammoths did this before, can we with different tools try to simulate that to help the earth do that. We don't know. It's science. We're building upon it. We're taking ideas. We're trying things. And we may not find the answers in our lifetime. Science is this constant moving forward target and we never get to see the full picture of what was. I'll attach this article also down below. I found this very interesting. There's this pioneering inventor and mathematician published papers in Massachusetts in 1921 predicting what the world would look like in 2021. And a lot of these are actually quite accurate in a lot of ways, predicting that we'd able to have temperature-controlled homes and that we'd be able to maintain different temperatures within our house, which was radical at that time. 
that we be able to cook by electricity and having not coal ranges, but potentially electric ranges in our house to be able to cook food more precisely. He predicts wire radio and predicts kind of this different type of communication and predicts electricity in homes, which really wasn't a big thing and that there would be just this plug to be able to connect to these different hubs of ideas. And then there's ones where he potentially would be disappointed. When he looks at and talks about battery technology and how electricity will be super cheap and so everyone will just be using it. And this article kind of gets into at the end on how he might be disappointed to see how much we still are using fossil fuels at this point. He died two years after making those predictions and not being able to really see any of them come true. And in a lot of ways, isn't that what our faith is like too? We try to leave this legacy. We try being that seed to grow additional plants. We just We don't know entirely what comes of it. We might know a part of the story, but at some point we will no longer be here to see the end of it. And science is the idea of continuing to build upon each other's ideas, whether for good or for bad, trying to continue to understand each other at a deeper level. Brothers and sisters, I think the powerful thing with this text and these texts together is recognizing that if our faith is both personal and and community-based, is not society the same way? Is not science that way where it's, yes, I'm trying to have this, but I'm also looking at other people's work to be able to understand it to further the ideas of science? We have to be able to work together. We have to be able to see beyond differences and be able to not necessarily call each other out, but work through them. And sometimes we need to be able to hear out the crazy ideas. Because being on this side of the cross, the crazy idea of what Jesus was talking about, that he was ridiculed multiple times by his disciples, changed the course of their lives and our lives as we know it. So the Twitter question this week will be, after you're gone, what's going to be built upon what you have done? After you're gone, what is going to be built upon what you've done? Because as Christians, We are always trying to continue this message and continue to move toward this promise of what we were heard in Jeremiah. In life, it's this constant movement of trying to continue to better ourselves and become more like Christ, but trying to better understand this thing of life and how precious it really is. How often we miss that, overlook that. This has been a season, a hard season for many of us. And as it appears that we're nearing the end, but we don't know how long it is to the finish, let us not forget the lessons that we've learned here. Let us not forget how much we need to support each other. On a personal note, as we are nearing the end of this, don't forget the support that we gave each other at the beginning of this. No matter if we fully agree with what is going on or not, we have to support each other. We have to support each other to be able to give random and crazy ideas. We need to be able to listen and hear those out. Because sometimes those crazy ideas like Semiwise projected and said hand-washing lead to something greater to help us understand this creation and this place that God has made for us. And at a deeper level, be able to better understand us as creatures following Christ. Science and faith is about working together, and I really hope that we continue to remember that, even when things sound crazy. Because a lot of times, out of 
the death of the common idea, the death of the common knowledge, leads to the growth of something new and great that moves us forward. Happy first Sunday of spring. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>